Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Make sure you check out Stu's Wrestling Podcast, man. One of the best podcasts going today, like you said, top... Top in the world, man. Uh, the Young Goat speaking. Make sure you go check it out. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. Today's guest on Shoes Wrestling Podcast is an ECW original, a former one-time ECW World Heavyweight Champion, a two-time ECW Tag Team Champion as one half of the Impact Players with the Great Land Storm. My guest today is just incredible. We talk about his time in WWF, enhancing talent initially, then being signed to a contract, becoming Aldo Montoya. Portuguese man of war, which is all tied in with his Portuguese heritage. His mum and dad were from Portugal. We get to hear about that and what Vince and Pat said to him when they found out he had Portuguese heritage. Enhance some of the best. Owen Hart, The Undertaker, Mr. Perfect, Yoko Zuna, to name but a few. You'll get to hear all about that. We talk about his time in ECW, how Paul Heyman was with the talent, how he energised them to do stuff. Even when they could be annoyed with Paul Heyman, he just had that knack and Justin talks about that at length, the way Heyman was in ECW. Subsequent move to ECW, which led to me on top of the card, tagging with Lance Storm, as I've alluded to earlier, becoming world champion in ECW. He spoke with fondness about that. You'll get to hear about all this and more today on Stu's Wrestling Podcast with my guest, former ECW original, just incredible, PJ Polacco. Enjoy. My guest, all the way from Connecticut, this afternoon, this morning where he is, it is the ECW original World Heavyweight Champion, two-time tag team champion as one half of the Impact players at Lance Storm, also an eight-time hardcore champion. I had to, I had to get that one. It is just incredible. 
How are you? Oh, unbelievable, man. Can't believe I've got you on. This is incredible. Can't wait to... Oh, thank you, man. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Can't wait to speak to you about, obviously, the, the early days of your career as well, because you know quite a lot from the last 20, 25 years. So, looking forward to this, man. Awesome. I love I love pro wrestling. Always have, always will. So, that's cool, man. Cool. So, looking forward to it. Justin... The early stages training. Now I read, I read that you were trained by the Hearts up in Alberta many years ago. How was that? Uh, it was great. I mean, it was, uh, it was. I was 18 years old when I went there, uh, right after I finished high school, and um, it was, it was intense. Uh, I was there for two months, and um, it was, it was everything you hear about the Hearts and the, you know, the 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 kind of training they do and the the rigorous you know, just stuff that they do was, you know, was unbelievable. And, you know, I didn't know, uh, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be, um, you know, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I, we started with 12 guys and only two finished the camp and I was one of the two. Um, so I was, you know, I worked hard and was very lucky to finish, you know, were you up there in the winter or were you like, no, no, <laughs> thank goodness. It, it, I was there in the summertime. I was there, uh, uh, July through August. That's cool, man. Then I and then I got to reading Lance Lance Storm. Then trained you more more latterly. How how was it with Lance and learning from Lance? Obviously, because he graduated oh. the year before, hadn't he? Right. Yeah. It was it was great. I mean, that's when uh, he was the first person I really you know besides the Hearts, he was the first person I really met in the business of pro wrestling. So um, you know, it was great. He was you know wonderful. He had, he was only a year and a half in the business then. Um, and, uh, you know, we just got along really well. He was very patient and, uh, you know, and he does, still does it today, still trains guys and gals and it's one of the best out there, you know? So man, that's right. If you, if you're coming out, if you're coming out of that school now, that's, you're well, yeah. you're well on your way. I hear from all you guys about Lance Storm and, uh, yeah, just absolutely. Crazy, just crazy to think how long. How long he's been going? He's still going. It's it's incredible, man. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Fast forward in a little bit now from the from the training. When did you have your first match? When did the first match occur? I came back home for uh, a couple of months, um, and they were going to start a promotion up there in Calgary um, in August, in October. So um, and they were going to run every Friday night. So I went up there uh, on my birthday and had my first match, October sixteenth, nineteen ninety two, uh, when I turned nineteen. And um, I had my first ten matches out there. And those ten matches, uh, I ended up working with Chris Jericho when he was still very young in the business. I uh, worked with Lance Storm um, up there as well, and um, you know a couple of names um, that I don't even remember, but they were from the old Calgary Stampede area, and. Um, and then eventually, right before Christmas, I came back home to Connecticut for good because you know, I wasn't making any money over there, and I basically had to come home, you know. But I got in some experience, uh, which was pretty cool up there. That's cool, man. That's cool. Then, how how was it developing your move set? Move set. Sorry, crafting the moves in the early portion. Obviously, you were still learning. You were very young. Did did those moves stay with you more more later in your career as well? Believe it or not, yeah, um, I, I was um, I was just doing basic stuff. I mean, you know, I I I always thought because uh, back then I was probably two hundred twenty pounds, uh, six foot tall, and uh, that's considered that was considered at the time small in the WWE or back then the WWF. So uh, I figured I had to be a high flyer um, because everybody was so big, you know. 
Um, and Owen was like, Owen and Brett were like, the, and Shawn Michaels were like the smallest guys and they were, uh, you know, they moved quicker and stuff. So I thought I had to be like a high flyer. Um, so I did some of that when I was a baby face, but, um, yeah, I just did, you know, I, I mean, like anything else, you develop more stuff, you try stuff out. When I really uh, started to develop more stuff is when I uh, got to work with different people in ECW, uh, guys like Jerry Lynn. That's when I really started to kind of try different things out with those guys. That's cool, man. That's cool. Then I think perfectly now I was reading up because obviously I remember you, remember you as Aldo Montoya, but yep. you, you, came, you came in initially as an enhancement talent, didn't you? In right. WWF. Yeah. I, am, I am correct yes. in saying that, aren't yes. I? How, Absolutely. How, how is it being an enhancement talent? I bet it was incredible being backstage, seeing all the guys, the talent, the crop of yeah. talent after that time. It was it was amazing because um, you know I, I got really lucky. Uh, I, when I came back to Connecticut, I didn't really know anybody, and this was before the internet um, and before you know you could communicate all around the world, you know, um, very easily. So I didn't have any connections here. So uh, I was starting to get frustrated. And uh, I went to a WWF house show and uh, they were very kind to me. They let me backstage. I uh, introduced myself. Uh, Tony Gurria was the agent in charge. And, uh, you know, and so they let me watch the matches backstage and very cool guy. And uh, afterwards, I went and said, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, and he goes, well, if you ever want to do enhancement work, you know, jobs for WWE, uh, we're starting a new show in Manhattan called Monday Night Raw. We could use guys locally. Cause I was, you know, only an hour and a half from New York city. So, uh, that's how I got my start, you know? And, um, then the road kind of began slowly for me. Uh, and you know, I worked as an enhancement guy for a while for about a year or so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, where the story really gets good is I currently live about, and I always have, I was born and raised in Connecticut. I always lived about 45 miles, uh, 45 minutes from, uh, Stanford from the office. Yeah. And, um, Tony calls me and he's uh, he told me that he needed me to go there Monday through Friday for one week to train with Undertaker and Brian Lee. They were going to do the two Undertakers um, and they wanted to, you know, kind of have me bump around for him so he can get used to doing Mark's moves. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, so we worked out, you know, just working out. No big deal. And then Friday we did a full dress rehearsal for Vince and uh, Pat Patterson. And, um, so, you know, everything went smooth. It was just Vince, Pat, uh, and Undertaker and myself and Brian, of course. So, uh, after that, um, you know, Pat gets in the ring with me and he starts asking me questions about who trained me. And I told him the hearts and that was, you know, great. And, uh, he was very happy with my work. They always liked my work. You know, they, they knew I had a little bit of talent. And then, uh, Pat asks me out of nowhere, he goes, what nationality are you kid? And I said, well, sir, I'm Portuguese. And he goes, really? Hey, Vince. This kid over here, he's Portuguese. And Vince kind of pops. And I thought that was strange. You know, like, okay, what's the big deal? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then um, we can talk a little more. And uh, he goes, oh, kid, do you speak it? I said, yes, sir, I do. And he goes, hey, Vince, this kid speaks Portuguese. And Vince pops. Aha, very good. You know how he does. And, uh, and lo and behold, they were looking for somebody all ready to do the Aldo Montoya character. Uh, so I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, that's how I got my uh, gig with the WWE. Just, just to go back to the enhancing, who, who, mm -hmm. did you, who did you enjoy working with in that early portion when, when oh. you first went there? I'm sure there's countless matches that you. Yeah, uh, Undertaker, uh, Kurt Henning, um, Owen Hart, Yoko, 
Yokozuna, um, the Samoans, the head shrinkers, uh, I'm the Mountie, um, just every, I mean, I was Sean, um, Razor, um, many, I mean, you name it. I probably everybody at, at one point, Lex Luger, <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, I, I did, I did wrestle a uh, crush, Brian Adams, uh, Adam Baum, if you remember him. I do, I do remember him very yeah. well. Yeah, and then obviously uh, the Steiners, the Steiners, oh, Rick and Scott. You're rolling them off, PJ. You're rolling them off here. This is this, is, and, and that <laughs> that is that is my era. A lot of the guys over in the UK, right. attitude era, attitude era. Yep. Ninety onwards from when I watched. You just rolling off them guys, and what a mix of guys. All, yeah, great. For, for you, for you being so young in the business, that's just you can't. That was yeah. priceless. That's priceless. That must have been priceless for you. Sure, it was. And and to work with these guys, even though I was enhancement talent, I was still learning. And they were all very good to me. They, the, the, those guys liked me because I was around quite a bit. You know, Vince used me quite a bit. I was very lucky, and um, so it was fun, man. I, I learned so much, and I, you know, just to work with somebody like Kurt Henning, Mister Perfect. I mean, it, you know, he was a rare one because he was so talented. Um, really, you know, uh, just being in the ring was amazing with him. And, you know, and even working with Mark Undertaker, um, even though you're just doing a job, you, you still get to see and experience how it, how it goes, how it's, even though my role is smaller, uh, you still get to, you, you know what I mean? You get to feel it out and you get to really see what it's like on that end with high level guys. So it was, it was a great experience and it really uh, got me ready for what was co coming next, you know? Well, around that time as well, I just wanted to see like about how the houses were at the house shows and stuff like that. Were you still were you still doing a lot of people at the arenas? Was it still pretty pretty packed out at that point? It was not. No. That's why the uh, that's why the Aldo thing started to uh, happen because, like with Davy Boy, uh, you know, when every time you'd go over to London and we'd go to the UK, they'd use Davy Boy on top because he was such a big draw. Mm -hmm. And that was the idea for Vince to go to uh, South America, Brazil. That's why they were looking for a Portuguese character. Because in right. Brazil, even though I'm not Brazilian, I'm actually from the country, Portugal. Um, but they speak Portuguese in Brazil. Yeah. So they figured we can go down there with Aldo and he could do the media and stuff like that. So they were looking to go overseas more and more because the houses in America were down um, at the time. So uh, that was part of the reason as well. How, how was it? Doing the Aldo Montoya gimmick, the Portuguese Man of War, how, how did you find that? Did you, did you embrace it? I did. I did. Uh, I mean, I was, uh, I'd never worked under a mask before. And literally, um, you know, two hours before showtime, you know, people sometimes think that uh, everything is so pre-planned out. And you know, all these things ahead of time. You really don't. I literally got my costume two hours before I went out there. Uh, I'd never worn the stuff and I never had a mask before. So when we put the mask on and realized it was so shitty, um, you know, cause at first the way the drawing was the, the art, it was supposed to look almost like a cane mask. Um, and the girls, we have seamstresses there uh, that, you know, that work there, they couldn't perfect the shape. So it ended up, they did the best they could, but that's what I had. And that's what I had to work with, you know? So uh, I went out there, I made the best, you know, did the best I could do with it. But uh, at the end of the day, Vince was, was quite happy with it. It was that era of weird gimmicks. You know, we, we had Duke, the dumpster, Drosy, uh, Adam bomb, uh, you know, Mantar, uh, you name it. We had some really bad gimmicks at the time. So 
Aldo wasn't too bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Man, if you think about it. Mantar. Yeah. It's it's one of them and it comes up on the videos like the weird, uh, the weird. He's horrible. He was horrible. He always hurt me in the ring. He was terrible. How how was it like how was the how was because uh, 'Cause I've had I've had Duke on. I've had Mike on, on the show last year. Oh yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he was cool, man. Yeah. Mike was cool. I liked Mike a lot. He was a nice guy. He was pretty talented too, man. He had a good yeah. look. I'm surprised he never really did anything else in the business, you know. I think that you know, if it wasn't the age of the gimmick, yeah, you know, a bit, but he, he, as as yourself, he embraced it. He, he embraced yeah. it, man. He he did what he, he did what he had to do. And I tell you what, when I was watching it, when he was going up against Hunter, uh, it was a good good feud. He had a good feud with Hunter, from from what yeah. I could see from a fan perspective. Yeah. He made the best yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and even Hunter's gimmick was. Uh, was you know he did a good job of it but uh it was it was kind of corny you know what i mean it's like and that's and that's and to make a little bit of a segue i think that's why ecw was so uh powerful even though it was a smaller promotion mm -hmm. because wrestler the re real diehard wrestling fans wanted uh something less campy less you know childish and uh, it was just wrestlers being wrestlers um and that's what really fueled ecw it was uh you know not any of these silly gimmicks it was more uh old school wrestling really it was more like terry funk style texas old school wrestling you know the younger the younger talents at that time frame in wwf who who could you see that was gonna make it it wasn't quite placed on the card where you know high up in the card at that sure. point who could who could you foresee who could you tell a mile off was gonna make it and be a big deal uh, well, one person that I, a lot of people didn't see coming, I knew him because of the, the small time I spent on the independent circuit around here, but Scotty Too Hotty, Scott Taylor, uh, he was uh, an enhancement talent as well around the same time, and I got my break before he did. Um, he got his break a little later. Um, he was one of them I saw was was going to make it. Uh, we all knew Hunter was going to make it uh, at, at some point, like, you know, even though uh, he got punished for... Uh, the curtain call uh, in Madison Square Garden. Uh, he had a bright future ahead of him. Um, who else was really uh, uh, X Pac one two three? Oh, kid. just you know, he, he brilliant guy. You know, um, so he was always you know up there as well. It's like watching watching him prior with Jerry Lynn matches that I saw years later yeah. prior to WWF man. Just it, you could just see insane. So much. Yeah, he was so good. For a yeah. small, for a smaller guy, as you were saying, it was a land of the giants at that point. Yeah, talent is talent, man. And I know, obviously, then they, they did the, the the angle with uh, Razor, didn't they? With Scott, right. Yeah, which yep. propelled him. Uh, just, just incredible. Yeah, he was. He, <laughs> just was, incredible, he, he was right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. He was really, really good. And uh, you know, and it was just a matter of time, really. You know, and uh, we all kind of had our own little successes. You know, we we all had different paths to get there, but. Uh, you know, he was, uh, he, he's a Hall of Famer now, you know, and uh, he deserved it. He worked really hard and loves this business to this day. I still talk to him once in a while and uh, he's doing great. So I'm glad for him. Pull up, because you've said about the curtain call. Were, were you were you at MSG that night? You must have been. I was. That all happened. What was I it, was. What was it like from your perspective being backstage when all that happened? Well, I was traveling with those guys then. Yeah. Was, I was, yeah, I was in the car. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was like, Razor's like, don't you dare come out there, and I'm like, I'm not, because you know, uh, they'll fire your ass, 
you know, because they, and they punished Hunter too. Like if it was somebody like me, I, they, you know, your, your ass would get fired. So he goes, don't you dare, you know, but um, they knew they were going to do that for a long time. Um, so yeah, they just did it. Vince knew too, because they asked Vince's permission. Vince said no, but they did it anyways. So, uh, and Sean didn't get punished because he was the world champion at the time. So they took it out on poor Hunter, which now is the father or the son-in-law to the boss. So how much did that really hurt? (laughs) Incredible. Yeah. Uh, What was, what was everyone else like that night? Obviously with them, with them two jumping ship was, was there, do you think there was any panic at that point that they would, there was, yeah. Yep. What in terms of how, how was the panic? Well, it was, first of all, a lot of the guys were mad that they broke kayfabe like that because back then it was still, it was still something that was kept very serious in the WWF before they were WWE. Um, so a lot of the guys were mad um, and you could just, but you could tell when Scott and Kevin left uh, that, you know, big money was being offered to these guys and uh, times were tough for Vince. Uh, this was around the steroid trial, you know, so he, w- he was going into his pocket for his defense. Uh, and it, uh, you know, I, the houses were down. Guys weren't making a lot of money. I remember Razor telling me uh, the the best year he had there was like $250,000 for the IC uh, title run, you know, for that year, which I mean, still a lot of money, but not what people would imagine. Um, and certainly not what WCW offered. They were like, they, you know, they offered him close to a million dollars a year, you know? And, uh, and so you can't, you know, Vince was just worried about how do I compete with that? Cause he didn't have the deep pockets that, uh, you know, a, a company like, you know, Ted Turner and TBS, which is, you know, a major conglomerate media conglomerate. So, uh, it was tough, man. It was tough, but as always Vince, uh, you know, it almost seemed like he needed that pressure. Uh, to change course and uh, which came the attitude era then, you know, and obviously we know the rest of it, you know, in terms of money and stuff, obviously he told you how much he got in his best year. Was it, was it hush hush amongst the boys? What yes. people were earning or did, yes. it was never, it was never discussed. I, I, Cause I, I could imagine that could be, that could be the biggest heat magnet for, for yes. you guys. So it was kept under the carpet. Well, yeah, well, really- and then because back then we all had the same contracts. Um, it, our contracts were all basic, and uh, they only guaranteed you. Ten, and this is insane. They only guaranteed you ten matches. You signed for three years. They guaranteed you ten matches at the base rate of one hundred and fifty dollars a match. That's all they offered you. That was your only guarantee. Everything else moving forward was based on your position on the card. And how much money's at the gate. So if you're at the garden and the house, you know, money-wise, the tickets after they add them up makes $500,000, then you're going to get a nice payday. And if, but if you're somewhere else where they maybe sell 2,500 tickets and it's uh, $75,000, you're going to make considerably less. So it mattered. It kind of mattered what town you were in, where you were placed on the card. And if the, and if you drew, like if you were in the top spot and you drew money, you made the bulk of the money that night. It was like a percentage, you know what I mean? Top guys made the most, the main event, you know, and, and downward. So, um, you know, Aldo, when I was Aldo, I was making anywhere between seven fifty dollars uh, and $300 a night, 
you know so that was kind of where i was at you know in the garden i'd make probably a little more like a thousand but you know you're i was still working every you know we were we were on european tours all the time sometimes i'd be gone for 30 40 days without coming home wrestling every single night so it wasn't like i wasn't making money but uh you you were working hard for that money <laughs> let me tell you you know the how, touring was hard how how was that for you if you want to go into a bit more specifics with with that doing those length of tours which you know uh, it doesn't it was, happen it wouldn't happen these days would it no you're not I on the it. road like that no i loved it because i was single i wasn't married um <laughs> you know and and you know i i lived i still had a, i lived at home with my mom and dad mm-hmm. you know cuz i again i was 21 22 mm-hmm. And I was gone so much. I didn't need a place, you know? Um, so it was great. I got to travel the world. I, I loved it. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have liked it, uh, you know, after I had children and got married and such, you know, cause it was, it was then it was very straining and difficult. Um, cause I remember doing a, a 30 day tour of Japan after I had my first child and it was, it was horrible, you know, just being away for 30 days. That's one full month out of the year, you know, and uh, not seeing your family, you know, very difficult but uh yeah they I, I wish in some ways though i kind of wish they would bring back touring to some capacity like that after covid and stuff because it sharpened your skills up so much um it really it was uh it was a great experience and i i don't think the wrestlers coming today are as good because of it because they don't get as much game it's like almost like in any sport like you get practice and you're in there in front of crowds there's nothing like that you can go to a performance center and you could work out there's nothing like getting out there in front of an audience. And uh, I think that's vital to the uh, up and coming of any, any rising pro wrestler, you know? Where were some of your favorite places? I'm assuming you went to Portugal, but within the confines of Europe, where did you live? Where, where was the cultures oh. and different, I'm sure you got a list. I, I love going to London. Uh, I love, I love Birmingham. Uh, I loved, I loved Germany. Germany was a great, great place um all switzerland was great i mean just all all uh, the european tours were so much fun england was the best that was my favorite place because you know i love the culture um for a while i wanted to move to london (laughs) believe it or not it was just something that i just i was so into um the european culture because my mom and dad now they're back in portugal and they travel Oh, yeah, I, they I travel abroad and stuff. Yeah. So I kind of was thinking of, of going over there. But then, you know, I have family here that, you know, and my children are in our university and stuff. So I could do that now. But I always wanted to try. But, you know, didn't work out. <laughs> did you get Did you get to Wales? Did you get to Cardiff on any of these tours? That's down the uh, south for me. I did, I did get to Wales. I did yeah. not get to Cardiff. And I didn't get to I didn't go. I didn't go to Scotland or Ireland either. Which is a shame, but I don't know why either. But I just remember uh, the last time I was there was working at the O2. And that was, I think, 2002 or 2001, if I'm not mistaken. When when the O2 was built, it was like right after the old Wembley got knocked down. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, you're on the right. You're on the right time frame now. And I actually wrestled once at Royal Albert Hall. What a venue! And uh, that—that's—that's yeah. that's another one. I know they've gone back NXT more more recently. Oh, have they? Uh, yeah, a couple, have they? couple of years ago. But the one I remember going back a bit—it was it was '91, the Battle Royal at the Albert Hall with Bulldog. But yeah, I'm, what what a venue! I've not had the opportunity to go there, but I can imagine just. It was great. It, it it held about 2,500 people, and it reminded me very much of the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. You know, it was kind of just that old 
style theater yeah. you know it was uh, it was really cool very nice uh, you know the architecture was amazing I, I hope i hope that they're on about i think um aw was saying obviously before all this that they we're going to run they were going to run a show there which would be amazing amazing if they yeah. didn't follow through on yeah that would be great i hope so i hope we get back to touring you know i'd love to go to, i'd love to go to england one last time before i you know before it's all said and done it'd be nice Fingers, fingers crossed for you, man. Fingers crossed. Yeah, for you, man. Absolutely. 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 What I, I think, I, I think maybe we could talk about the crowds and how the crowd, the UK crowd, differed to the US crowd for you as a performer. How, how what were the differences, if if any at all? Very loud, very passionate. A lot of chant, like a lot of chanting, a lot of football chants. You know, like old school soccer football chants and stuff. Um, it was just awesome. There were, you know. Uh, it was, um, they were so excited to see us every time we went there. It was almost like you didn't have to work as hard, like, cause they just made the show for you. They were just so loud and so awesome. Um, that, you know, it was like, it gave you goosebumps. It's like, well, they'd spoil you. It's like, how, why can't we get this at, at home? You know, um, they were, and it was always sold out. There was always a packed crowd and, uh, yeah, it was awesome. They were the best fans in the world. I've done, I've done many WrestleManias going over there, and I tell you what, when we turn up, they 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 dispute. They say they say ten fifteen thousand Brits were going over for Mania, and uh, they were on like a travel package, and the Americans were going crazy because they kept chanting "travel package." They were like, "We don't give a fuck about your travel package." It was like <laughs> we we took we took the arena over when they say about that Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. It was yeah, it, yeah. It's the Europeans. It's the Europeans. that's awesome, but that's what I love about it. it was, that's that's we, great. We must have had fifty percent of the capacity in that arena the following night, and uh, you know it was crazy. CM Punk said it as well. He said it was like it was a European soccer style. Yeah, it was brilliant. You know, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love we're, it. We're mental. We're mental over here. I I, I stand by that. We're not. We're not. Yeah. Wi- we're not. We're not wired right over here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's a good thing though. Yeah, no, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> I think this would be perfect now to segue into you joining ECW. How did how did that come to be? I'm sure you got so many stories about Mr. Heyman. I I love Mr. Heyman, man. Big big fan. Um, I pretty much had after it was uh, this was '97. Now we're talking, and you know Aldo Montoya had almost run its course. I was still being booked and used um, on television and stuff, but you know less and less. And, um, Scott and Kevin had been there for a while now in WCW and, and Scott was always telling me, get your release from Vince. I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll call Bischoff and try to get you a job down here. So I got, I went to the office, I had a meeting with Vince and I asked him, I said, can I get my release Vince? I said, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm getting to a point where I, I could, I could help you and your company more than I'm helping. And, uh, you know, and I'm not doing anything. I'm getting frustrated, you know, and I was, I was becoming, you know, I was having good matches on the road, like really good matches, um, with everyone. And, uh, I was just getting frustrated because I wasn't, you know what I mean? Creatively, I wasn't doing anything and I wanted to grow. And, uh, he goes, well, you know, pal, I can't, you know, it's, it's a bad look for any one of my guys to get released and then go over to WCW. It just sends a bad message. He goes, what I will do is, you know, I could send you to Memphis to, uh, to learn how to work as a heel. And then we'll bring you back up with a different gimmick. And I said, okay. So I went down to Memphis, worked for Lawler, Jerry Lawler for six weeks. And, uh, that was, that was okay. But you know, it's, 
I wasn't learning anything down there. You know, it was, it wasn't the old Memphis that it once was. It was, it was a small developmental Rocky Maivia was down there. The rock was down there at the same time as I was. And, uh, so after six weeks, the last day of, uh, my stay in Memphis territory, um, ECW was doing an angle with Jerry Lawler. So Heyman, Candid Chris Candido, Tommy Dreamer, Sabu, and Van Dam were down there. And um, Candido was a good friend of mine mm -hmm. from uh, Skip and Sonny days mm -hmm. um, in the WWE. And Chris said, you know, he was Paul's right-hand man at the time. And uh, Chris is like, why don't you come work for Paul? You, you know, it's a good, it's a good deal. He goes, it's, it's fun. It's, it's not like anything you've ever seen before. I'm, you know, I'm doing well making money and it's awesome. And I said, get it done. So Vince went to, or uh, Paul went to Vince and got my contract from Vince for himself. And there was the birth of just incredible. What was it? What was it like going from, you know, WWF going there I've seen obviously a lot of backstage backstage videos, obviously beyond the mat with Paul Heyman rallying the troops. What were the yeah. what, what were the back, what were the guys like in the back with you when you first came in? Were they happy? Yeah, everybody yeah. was really nice. Yeah, everybody was very nice, very welcoming. It was it was cool. It was a great experience, and I was nervous because you know the ECW fans were were brutally honest, you know, and knowing that I was Aldo Montoya, um, you know, I felt that they would probably you know get on me for it, which I was lucky enough that, that I, you know, my debut in the ECW arena, my second ever match was against um, Jerry Lynn. And we went out there and just kind of stole the show that first time, you know, so I really didn't give the fans much of an opportunity to shit on me. So I got lucky there working with Jerry and uh, the rest is history, you know. Who else did you enjoy in the early portion there? Who, who was who was great? Who, who was maybe a different style that you hadn't wrestled before? Obviously, it was a total different program, wasn't it, down there, what they were doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just learned many different styles, man, all different. Like, I'd never brawled before, you know, just like how ECW has brawls. and I never worked. Like, I worked with Hakushi in WWE. Um, but I never worked with a lot of Japanese talent. And uh, in ECW, I worked with a lot of guys from Japan, like the great Sasuke and uh, a, a bunch of guys from FMW promotion and so forth. So it was just, uh, I was constantly growing. You know, I worked with Mike Awesome, who had been in Japan a lot, and um, Masato Tanaka, and just all kinds of different stuff. Even working with guys like Dreamer was, uh, was great because, you know, it was, it was a different kind of storytelling. It was uh, different than anything I've ever done. It was on a different level, you know, because in, in WWE, I was more of a, you know, mid-card to lower-card guy. And in ECW, I was playing a main event role. So I was really still learning uh, at the time from those guys and uh, couldn't have been better, you know, just having a, a blast. It was definitely perfect for you, wasn't it? You know, the yeah, really the was. The evolution for you was a Great, great and the movie. money was the money was actually better for me, believe it or not. I was making I was making good money down there. I was making at the end of my ECW run, I was making twenty five hundred dollars a week, you know, to wrestle Friday and Saturday, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and be home. You know, I was home more, and I was still making six figures. Couldn't couldn't beat it, you know. Couldn't beat it, and I I was kind of in charge of my own destiny. You know, I had a lot of say and input into my. Uh, storylines and such so i was i was loving it, you know how how was paul have you got some stories about paul around that time just anything you can um, share with us you know paul was 
Paul was great. Um, he is everything you everything you probably imagine he 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 could be. He is. Um, he's the devil and he's Jesus all in one. Um, he really is. You know, he could. He's he's uh, he's a great talker and he could talk his way out of anything. Like you could go into a meeting with Paul, super mad at him and you know want to kick his ass and then completely like be in love with him after you leave. He's just he's 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 the ultimate player, dude. He's amazing. He's uh he's he's a good bullshit artist, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, but that's his gift, man. He uh he always knew how to uh tell you what you want to hear. Let's say that. He was very good at it. He was very good at making you believe in yourself, you know, and giving you like that that courage to go forward, which, you know, is needed at times in this crazy business. You know, like the pet talks and him getting into you about do this, do that. It was it was just like I suppose it just gave the talent it just gave him a hundred and ten percent rather than uh, yeah just, absolutely just yeah a ma- just a master with words like it's getting, yeah I, I love seeing footage of him when he's like ramped up with the with the guys backstage I love yeah. stuff like that's, that's how he was that's yeah. how he was that's how he was and and that's he was a better motivator than he was a booker people always think you know Paul Heyman was this great booking mind uh, uh, there became a time where Paul wasn't even booking that much anymore he was just more or less trying to keep ecw alive tommy dreamer actually was doing most of the booking and Heyman was just uh but he was that guy that would make you like you know he made um a locker room full of people that maybe didn't do anything anywhere else and made them all believe that they were something special and you know what i mean and got them to almost overperform and outperform any expectations that they might have had previously so he was very good as a motivator, you know, and, and very talented. I think we can shoot, shoot over to the formation of the impact players. I know you were doing stuff with Jason Knight. I'm big, still a big fan of Jason Knight. This they need to get him on. Need to get him on the show. Actually, <laughs> I've been, I've been messaging him. I will get him on eventually. But yeah, the formation of the impact players with you and Lance Storm. How did that come to be? I think yeah, we'll go. We'll talk about that. Um, I don't even remember how that happened. Uh, I just remember one day um, Paul saying he's going to put us together. Uh, and it wasn't at, it, at first it wasn't uh, he didn't give us the name impact players per se. He just mm-hmm. kind of said, you and Lance are going to be working together a little bit. And it just slowly, very organically started to become something you know it's that we didn't even plan a lot that's the wonderful thing about it was we didn't plan a lot of stuff it just kind of naturally started to happen um which i guess is why it was so cool and uh being that lance and i had known each other you know from you know all the way back in calgary was uh it was effortless for us so we were just out there having a great time and um you know and and what made the team work i think in my opinion was we were two opposites like i was uh you know, trash talking, uh, brawling heel. And he was more of a technical, you know, quiet, but yet stern and strict guy uh, that's taken very seriously. And together it just was like, we were the best of both worlds, you know? So that's, I think that's one of the reasons it worked. It's a perfect dynamic. Like, and uh, yeah, I've, I've watched, I've watched your promos back as well. They were very good. They were very good. And then obviously Dor- Dormarie as well involved. Yeah. You're very good. You're very good on the stick, man. I'm not just. Oh, blowing, thank you. I'm not just blowing smoke there. No, that. Thank you. It, it oozed believability for, for a fan yeah. for a fan like myself. But uh, oh, right on. How 
Um, who were you getting in there with at the time? Who did you enjoy battling as a tag team? How did it differ being tagging to singles because you were so used to singles as well? Uh, it was a lot easier um, because, you know, it was almost like, you know, when you're in a singles match, the responsibility always landed on me. I was always the one uh, who called everything in the ring. I, I like to talk a lot in the ring. I like to call things out there um, very much. Um, you know, I like to ad lib, do stuff on the fly and uh, improvise. And uh, with tag team wrestling, it's like, you know, we, we split that responsibility. So you have more time to kind of... Uh, get your character over really when you're uh, on the outside of the ring and you know just it's it just where it's it's a nice dynamic i actually love tag team wrestling although i hadn't done anything like that never been in a tag team before or since the impact players which is kind of well well x factor i did but uh with lance it was just we just knew each other so well it was uh it was so easy it was almost like stealing candy from a baby easy you know it's just we just went out there and had fun and we got to work with um we got to work with everybody. I mean, we got to work with the Dudleys, Raven and Tommy Dreamer. Um, we got to work with the Japanese team of, uh, what were they called? Uh, Jado and Gato from FMW, which were a very popular tag team at the time. Um, so, yeah, we, we did a lot of stuff over there, man. It was, uh, it was really cool. It was really cool. Worked with Balls and Axle as well. So, you know, we had a lot of fun. That's a mix again. You know, I go back yeah. to this. What a mix of guys, man. It's just, yeah. I wish, I wish, I don't know to the best of my knowledge that we had it early on when you, when you jumped over in 97, I just remember it being on television over here from like maybe 99, 2000. So yeah. I missed, I missed so much and it was like loads of so much decent stuff that was done prior to that. But uh, you know, yeah. it's just, I wish, I wish I could have seen it all the time. I watched it later on, you know, but yeah. yeah. Some somebody in the UK should have been televising it. It would have, it yeah, would, I know. It, it would have done fantastic early on. Well, just the way Paul was getting it out there, like I, I don't know how it is over there, but over here back then, it, I don't even know if this exists anymore. Um, in local markets, um, you literally uh, late at night, and this is how he did it. We didn't have a television deal. Paul was paying these cable providers for what we call infomercials, like where you sell stuff. You know, and uh, you you you're basically paying for that. So Paul would just take those spots in in big markets that we wanted to run shows in, and you know we had a, a one in New York, we had one in you know Boston, one in you know wherever we ran Chicago, Pittsburgh, Florida, Texas, you know, and but basically it was paid television late at night, and so it wouldn't have been syndicated. That's the thing. Like that's why you, did, you guys didn't get it until TNN was because literally we were paying to air those programs, you know? So that's why I kind of uh, missed the boat over there. But yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was absolutely insane. But he was smart about it, you know? With, with everything, I remember watching um, an authorized ECW on the network when they had the Taz, Taz and everyone, they did like a sit-down round table thing, didn't they? And they were saying about him getting round, pumping the music in at the venue. It wasn't like yes. a, it wasn't a direct feed of the music. It was just little things like that that he could get around, couldn't he? The, yes, right. The, the legal side, that's that's him all over in it. There'd always be a loop. Yeah. There'd always be a loophole that he would get around, which yep. Because the and music, that was that was the sorry. music was the biggest part of it. Oh my days, we had everything. Yeah, the, the, the offspring. I'm trying to think. Metallica. Your, everything. Your, and, ent yeah. your entrance music was amazing as well. Like, loved yeah, it. And loved it. it. 
and that's the thing is like we used popular music from the time it was like it was it was perfect because music and wrestling goes hand in hand and that's one thing that's missing today it, you know and I, I guess it costs a lot of money to do it you know but Paul was just super smart, man, and got away with it. You know, I don't know how he did it, but he certainly got away with it. And that's what helped make ECW so great. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your right-hand man, a weapon that you use many, many times, the kendo stick. How, what, when was the birth of the kendo stick? How did that come about? Um, it, I got the kendo stick when I did my, when I had a feud with the Sandman and he was about to leave to go to WCW. And then he came back eventually. But uh, after he left, uh, I got the kendo stick from him in an angle. So then that's when it became uh, mine to use, which was, again, great. And I seem to have benefited from all those other guys leaving, right? You know, it's like, uh, you know, everybody that left, it's like I beat them and then they, they went away. So it was, uh, it was, you know, it was cool for me and made me look like a million bucks, you know. And then we've got to we've got to speak we've got to speak about the world title run as well. I've got to I've got to ask you about that. You beat Tommy Dreamer. How how was how was that night? When when was it pitched to you that that was going to be happening with, with you know on the creative side? Um, I didn't find out, believe it or not, until maybe an hour beforehand. Um, I was because I, when you get to the building, you look. Uh, they have a sheet of paper with the matches. You know, just you know. Um, written by uh, by hand on a piece of paper and your whoever's winning is circled um and my name wasn't on it so i was like oh i guess i'm not doing anything tonight which was weird because lance and i were the tag team champions at the time so i'm like i'm not wrestling tonight that's uh weird but whatever um and about an hour before i think it was intermission paul Heyman came up to me and told me what was going to go down and i was like oh okay, I guess I'm coming out of here. I thought it wasn't working, but I'm coming out world champion. I could do that. <laughs> you know, it's like winning the lottery. How, how was, how was the match for you? We've, we've obviously, I know you've got a lot of respect for Tommy Dreamer. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was really, it wasn't much of a match. Uh, Cause Dreamer had wrestled Taz. Um, and basically after he won the belt from Taz, they had a long speech and Tommy gave a speech and whatever. Um, after Tommy was done with his promo, I came to the ring with both tag belts, threw them down and said, I'm not, you know, screw the tag team titles. I want that, you know, and I just kicked them, hit them with my finish one, two, three. So it was just like, you know, I felt like Steve Austin kick stunner (laughs) one, two, three out. That's pretty much what I did. I hit him with the tombstone and uh, that was it. It It was cool, man. Heel 101 right there. That's how you do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely, the absolutely. Heat. Draw the heat, draw the heat. What, were the, yep. what, what were the crowd like from your perspective in, in that Oh, they moment? couldn't believe it. They hated yeah. me. They hated <laughs> I mean, me, man. That's, that's the ultimate compliment, though, as a heel, sure. Yeah. You're doing your sure. job. You're doing your job. Yeah. That, that, that must have just been, like, amazing. Yeah, I was so, I, we were all so happy. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, I, it was surreal to me. I, I couldn't have been happier. We all couldn't have been. We were all very happy, you know, with it. So it was awesome. What what were your feelings? Obviously, the Dud- the Dudleys went over to WWF WWE in '99. Taz Taz then came in, didn't he? Two thousand four Angle at the at the Rumble in two thousand. What were your thoughts and feelings when they were going over to WWF? What did you think? 
I was, I was okay with it. I mean, yeah. you know, I thought it was good for them. Uh, you know, and cause in wrestling, you know, um, those guys had been with the company since it started. And I thought, you know, there's a time, you know, in this day and age, there's a time and place where you've done all you can do. I think Taz had done everything you could do in ECW. And so did the Dudleys. And, um, you know, it was time for them to go and make money and they did. Um, I just, you know, I, I was just very comfortable there and, uh, never really, and also never really got the opportunity, um, you know, to go because I was so, you know, loyal to Paul because he'd done so much for me. I was so happy with the company that, uh, you know, so it just worked out. It, it worked out perfectly for me at least, um, you know, all, all the way up until it closed, I guess. But, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was great. You know, I didn't mind those guys going. I wish, you know, I, I was happy for them. Did you did you think the Dudleys were going to be, you know, hit the stratosphere they hit the way they hit it no. so, so so soon? I did not. I didn't see that coming. Did you think? Did you think it was going to be a diluted version? I know, obviously, it was quite it was quite risque the product in WWE at that time, anyway. But yeah, sorry, I, I jumped in then. No, that's okay. That's quite all right. Um, no, I I didn't think they were. I mean, they they went. I mean, they were ridiculously over and they did a lot of amazing stuff. So, uh, no, I mean, I, I guess I underestimated them <laughs> because they were, uh, they were brilliant over there. You know, they did wonderfully and, uh, you know, couldn't have been happier for them. You know, right, right place, right time. And it? it's just like, hey, absolutely. It's that's, crazy. that's the name of the game. You know, that's the name of the game in this business is it's timing is such an important thing. A lot of people sometimes don't understand and get frustrated as well as myself. But it really is, you know, in my career, is it, that's all it's about has been timing, you know. And when it's right, it's right. You can't, you can't, you know, kind of go around it. Who, who in the latter portion of ECW, you know, 2000 in last month, and obviously the subsequent closure, which, which guys were, were coming through? I know we were seeing like the likes of Rhino, people like, which, which of the younger crop were coming through that you really liked? In, in uh, Carino, Steve Carino, yeah. Steve Carino. Yeah, he was, he was, he was amazing. He was really, really good. Uh, Dusty Rhodes came in to work uh, a feud with him and Dusty Rhodes made him. I mean, Carino uh, was amazing. He, you know, he was just great. And uh, he really helped us, uh, you know, at the end. And he actually became ECW champion. So, uh, you know, yeah, Carino was uh, definitely, definitely great. Good, good on the good on the mic as well. I remember, yeah, amazing. I remember, I remember the promos. Yeah. You, I, I hated. <laughs> he did. He was doing what he said. I hated him. I hated him. I, uh, yeah. I appreciated what he could do as a talent in, in the ring, like. But yeah, that sometimes like you're a you're a bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He really, he really got me going when we were watching it, man. Yeah. Oh, that's that's cool, man. That's cool. I think I think we can go back to when you were back with WWF, WWE. Yeah. That's that's a perfect spot now. I think we can talk about c- coming back. Yeah. How how it uh, how it differed to, to when you were um, the first time round. It was completely different. Um, it was corporate. Um, it was just everything had changed. It, it just was so much bigger than it was uh, in '97. And this is only realistically four years later. Almost. Um, it was just so different. Um, and I remember. Um, I was the first uh, tour I went on. It was, I was traveling with, it was me, X-Pac, Hunter and uh, William Regal. And we were in a car together and Pac started rolling up a joint and we were smoking it in the parking lot. And then it was on raw. And then uh, 
the next day at SmackDown, Stephanie pulls me aside and is like, PJ, come here. And I'm like, what, Steph? She goes, we don't, we can't do that anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I saw you guys smoking. Cause I guess she was dating Paul at the time already. It was just not public. She goes, yeah. And she's like, we, you got a kayfabe. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> so things right there. I just knew, Oh shit. Things are like really different, you know, which guy, but it was still cool. You know, it was still cool. You're you obviously, you were, you were put with Sean, you're, you're with Albert as well as the X Factor. Yep. I was watching a match actually. It was like pre pre WrestleMania 17. I'd, I'd never seen it before. You you guys against Grandmaster Sexay and um, Steve Blackman, and it, yes. it, it was at the Astrodome prior to yes. Mania. Yes, that that looked incredible because it was it, it looked jam packed to the rafters even that that yeah. time early early on. But how how was it being an X Factor? How how was that having that match and all those people there, man? It was great. It was awesome. It was very exciting. Um, you know, they they were going to, you know, we had a feud with the Dudleys when we first came in, which was good, which was good. Um, and it allowed us because we, we had Albert, uh, the three of us to do six man tags because Spike was there as well. So it was Spike, Devon and Bubba against me, Albert and Kid. Um, so we, we had fun with that. Uh, and then, you know, the unfortunate thing was WCW went out of business. Um, we were supposed to get a world title shot, a tag title shot, and get to get the belts for a little bit. And uh, when they did the alliance in ECW, you know, the ECW WCW alliance, they broke up X Factor, and I went with the alliance. Kid went with WWE, or you know, he, he took some time off or whatever. And uh, then everybody kind of, with the influx of talent, a lot of people got lost in the shuffle, and I was kind of one of them, unfortunately, you know, because they had so many guys that just flooded from WCW and everywhere else, you know, ECW. There was, you know, we went from three promotions in the world, or in the United States, I should say, to now one. So, you know, could you imagine all those guys without jobs and, you know, and whoever is in the WWE vying for a position on television, it was just very difficult, you know. So uh, a lot of casualties to that. And I was certainly uh, one of them, I believe, you know. How, how was the, the, the pay? Obviously, the, all them guys are coming in. Did, did you the pay, pay was good. Oh, the pay was good. Yeah, I made the most money I ever made in my life wow. uh, that year. Wow. I made a quarter of a million dollars. It was, you know, I was happy, <laughs> you know, not bad. You had you had the hardcore title eight times. <laughs> yeah, but everybody, beat everybody had the hardcore title. <laughs> it's still, it's still on, it's still on your resume, PJ. Oh, I, That's it, all I got. It, it sounds good when you say it. That's all. <laughs> I I used to love the hardcore stuff. I know it was diluted, diluted East yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was it was uh, it was humorous for the most part. Like it know, was, it was, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of you, you wrestled doing that. Everyone, it was everyone, wasn't it? It was just like... Everybody. Everybody <laughs> that wasn't doing anything, like Raven, myself, <laughs> Steve Blackman, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, everybody. That was the way to get everybody kind of like on the show. Like yeah. Gold Dust at the time, you know, and anybody that wasn't doing anything was was in that. So, but still, it was all right. Look, we were, we were all making money. We were all happy. We were working. So, uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. I'm gonna because it's it's I'm gonna I'm getting to like 2002 now, and I know I've seen you, I've I've heard you talk about the plane ride from hell various times in interviews, but I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you about the plane ride from hell. It's actually gonna be on Dark Side of the Ring as an episode. I, I yeah, really, I uh, I, I did it. I uh, I was part wow. of it. Wow. Yeah. 
so I'll be on that episode. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those days, man. You know, and we were coming actually from England, as a matter yeah. of fact. Insurrection. Uh, yeah. Insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, it was. I mean, look, it was it was uh, it, it was a lot of guys that were tired and a lot of booze, and you could just imagine from there, you know. You know, and everybody's heard the stories, but it was just, it was ridiculous. And I don't even, you know, it's funny because I have to actually go back myself and listen to some stuff because now it's like the tale has become so large that I don't even know what was real and what's like, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So many perspectives, so many guys, you know, Sean. Sean, It was so long ago as well. 2002, man. It's like, it's uh, not years ago. Yeah, I don't remember shit, dude. So I'm like, was, is that even real? Or do I just, I've heard myself say it so many times that I just think that's what it is, you know? But it, it look, it was, uh, Scott Hall got fired. I ended up bringing him through customs in a wheelchair, passed yeah. out, you know? And uh, and it was crazy. And I was I was probably the most, one of the most sober guys on the plane. Not the most, because there was Lance and I think uh, Dreamer was on that. But uh Yeah for me to be like aware and cognizant I, on that I, trip. I wish, you know? was, I wish some footage had come out of that. I wish there was a camera <laughs> just like, at, if, we, if it was this era with cell phones, forget it. Oh my days. It's just like, as you say, there's been so many tales of it from different people's perspective. People look at it so different, yeah. but it's just like, you know, Kurt, Kurt Hennig and uh, Lesnar going at it and they're by the exit door and they're, yeah. they're having like a full-on amateur wrestling fight. It's just like... Ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Undertaker choking out Kurt Angle because he's he's got Vince. He's doing something with Vince. Flair, yeah. Flair, Flair naked. That's nothing out of the ordinary. He was doing that. No. He's a that's, that's, that's just another day. <laughs> that's just another day. I wish I wish I could have been a fly on the wall on that trip, man. I, I swear to it you. Was, it was definitely... It was definitely <laughs> Definitely fun, that's for sure. And we had to do Raw on Monday because that was a, we we did England. We did I think it was London, right? Insurrection was in London at the O2, right? Yeah. And then we went from the O2. We flew out of was it Gatwick? No. Heathrow. Maybe. No. Nah, yeah, I think. Well, no, I think it was Gatwick because okay. because we had the private plane. I'm not sure because normally we fly Heathrow, but that was commercial. But anyways. So we went from there to JFK, and um, in, that, in that time, man, so much debauchery went down. It was uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. And then we had Sunday to kind of, you know, um, get right with ourselves, and then we had Monday Night Raw. So, like, you know what I mean? We went from that to Sunday off, and then do <laughs> Raw Monday. So yeah, it was it was insane, dude. It was what, crazy. What What did you do after obviously leaving WWE? Where Where did you then go? What were you doing around around that time after after leaving? I did. I went everywhere. I did. Uh, I did a tour or two of Japan for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I wrestled Ring of Honor, TNA, um, all the way up until uh, the re the yep. rebranding of uh, ECW, pretty much. I was watching. I was watching some matches um, from obviously the reboot of ECW, and then uh, uh, one that everyone talks about: CM Punk. CM Punk yes. first, first coming up. What was what were your thoughts about him? Uh, obviously, we'd seen him in TNA, we'd seen him in Ring of Honor, we'd seen him in the Independence. Obviously, what what did you could you see that guy being the level he was going to get to? I didn't. 
I, I, I knew he had ability. His in-ring ability certainly said yes, but I had no idea um, the, his, uh, his skills on the microphone and his, his, just his way of, you know, the way he did business, uh, his passion and the way he, he was. Um, I mean, he was, I, I loved him. I, I got along with him. Punk was great. Um, but I didn't see it coming that he was going to be the, this, this enigma, this megastar that he became, you know, didn't see it coming. What did you, what did you think of the product they were putting together down there? We've heard, obviously it wasn't, it was diluted. It wasn't what it was meant to be. What were your thoughts and feelings from a personal standpoint? Same thing. Same yeah, thing. Same. Uh, it was, you know, it was, it was horrible. You know, it, it was so horrible that, uh, that I just stopped showing up because I was doing jobs left and right after a while. Mm -hmm. I was there for, a, you know, a couple like I was there for a couple months, like three or four months and I was not making good money at all. Um, and I kept putting guys over kind of killing my ECW credibility. And, you know, I think I remember my last match for them was against balls Mahoney. And I had to put, uh, I actually beat balls by DQ cause he hit me with the chair, which was stupid. And, um, and then I got my plane ticket to go to do the taping and I just didn't get on the plane. Just didn't want to do it. I just, I was like, I'm, I'm not making good money. I'm killing my character. And that was it. I just, I quit. Did and you, that's, did you, that was a, did you contact the office or did you just, uh, no, I just didn't show up. I was so pissed. Uh, Cause here's what, ha here's what happened, man. The money was so bad that I got into a situation when, when I left for the airport that morning, I didn't have enough money for gas and it's not like I was doing anything shifty or wrong. The no, checks no, weren't no, coming no. in, you yeah. know, there were, I, and I'm like, if I got to sit here and ask my old man who works in a factory to borrow money to get to the goddamn airport and I'm working for the WWE, screw yourself. I'm not going. And that was it. I didn't call. I didn't care. It was just, you know, and, and then they gave me another chance and then I just told them don't bother. They didn't even fire me then. They're like, oh, no, just come next week. You're, you're fine. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Don't bother. You know, and that was it. It's just that I think, like, looking at it now, they should have just done that. They should have done that one one-night stand in 2005, which was perfectly done. It was brilliant. Yep. It was so And leave it alone. You had all the old guys. They brought Jericho in, didn't they? They had Benoit. They were all involved. You know, Tanaka and Mike Orson were absolutely fantastic. Yep. It was a great match. It was it, the, the environment there in the Hammerstein that night was amazing. And then the one in 2006, it was just so heavy yeah. WWE guys. It was ridiculous. Like the writing, yeah. was, the that, writing was on the wall. Like right, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then obviously Paul Heyman into December to dismember. He just had enough, hadn't he? That it, it, it yep. was just they had to can it. But such a shame. But they should just have done that. I think. Fan perspective, they should have just done that first one night stand and called it. I agree. That was it. That was I it. agree. I, know I agree. I know there's been reincarnations, but with right. the W guys, which is cool, and that and that's great for the nostalgia with the with the fans and stuff. I agree with that because it was all you guys that were involved originally. Um, but yeah, just just one of them things, man. Yeah, I agree. DJ, I want to ask you about something I loved that you did years ago, your YouTube series, Wrestling 101. And oh, okay. You you replied to me, actually. I used to leave comments. In the, we're, going, we're going back about seven or eight years, man. I lo Do you know yeah. what? I, I love them videos, man. Your, oh, your, right on. Your insight. How, how was that, putting that together, doing that? Um, it was... It was actually done very, uh, it was very easy to do. I came up with the idea 
And uh, a friend of mine that I had met through the WWE network, um, he was in between jobs. I think WWE had let him go. Uh, so he was like, you know, I could come to your house. I shot all of those. And uh, well, the first batch, then I did a couple on the road. Um, but I did the first batch of them at home in my garage. I just, we changed backdrops and I changed t-shirts and uh, I just spoke a couple of minutes about certain topics and uh, we banged it out and he would produce them and put, you know, just shine them up and put, you know, cut them up nicely, put some music to it. And, and it was just an idea to kind of just put something out there um, to stay relevant in some way, because, you know, uh, YouTube was, is a big, is a big thing in wrestling these days and was then as well. It was just a way to kind of keep doing something positive uh, in wrestling, you know, keeping my voice out there. It was fresh, man. Cause no one else. Yeah. You, you honestly, I, I loved that. I, I sent out to all my wrestling friends and you know, the fans, like, uh, brilliant, honestly, man. It was they were so good. I, I really enjoyed them. I, I actually liked it. You know, when you had a new one coming out, I it was yeah. always looking forward to like what what you were going to do next, what the topic. Yeah, would be, man. It was, it was really informative. Give give us insight. What you know, it, it was it was brilliant, man. I loved it. Oh, right on. I'm glad. Honestly, man. I'm glad. You, That's awesome. You, you replied to me as well. Oh, yeah. Like, I really enjoyed that. Well, I always tried, man. I always tried to, I, I love, I love all fans and I always try to do the best I can to be as honest as I can uh, and to, 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 to be here for people. I mean, especially now when we have these amazing tools to communicate and connect with one another across the world, it's, it's, you know, you should use it. So I always just tried to do the best I could to, to stay up with it, you know, and to, to help people as much I can as I can, you know, I think a perfect point now for us would be tips, tips for young guys that are getting into the business. It's, I know it's, I know it's totally different now to when you were doing it. Things have changed a lot, man. It's evolved. Some, some fans don't like the modern style at all. Do they? I, I still like it all. I, I like, you know, I'll encompass, I do too. it'll encompass everything. I'll always follow it. I, I don't bash it. You know, I, I try and right. bash it. What would be uh, just incredible PJ Polacco's tips? For, for these young guys that are getting into the biz just really learn your basics um i couldn't i couldn't say enough how, how important the basics are for a young man or woman you know guys or gals getting into the business just learn your basics because when you go to the wwe or anywhere else quite frankly the basics are what is going to make you or break you um and and you know, the rest will come you know the fan like you know the high spots and the cool stuff that all comes with time but if you're a good technical, good at technical wrestling and a good at your basics and bumps and, and really know your craft. Um, it, the rest comes easy, you know? So in just like that, it's as simple as that. Just like really know how to bump properly, know how to respect and treat your opponents, not to hurt them. Um, and just, you know, just, just learn the basics. That's a, cause I, listen, I'll tell you a quick story cause I'm about to lose power and I don't want to cut this short but I don't want it to just shut down. Um, one time I was, uh, I was doing a dark match. There was a dark match on before me. I was in gorilla position and these two young kids had a tryout for Vince and it was Vince and Pat at gorilla. And um, they went, they looked great. They locked up. And when they locked up, Pat Patterson left the room right away. And Vince goes, Pat, where the hell are you going? These guys are getting a tryout. I want you to look at this. And Pat turns to Vince. He goes, Vince, if they can't lock up, they can't fucking work. Done. Simple as that. Yeah, and they had the look. They had the look and all that. 
Uh, they couldn't do that basic thing. Well, I'm, right. I'm, I'm calling it basic. I probably couldn't lock up. It is. <laughs> but it is. But it is basic. But that's yeah. what I mean. If you got yeah. your basics down, then the rest of the stuff you're will half, happen. You're halfway there. Yeah. Like, you're halfway yeah. there of it, man. Really, yeah. And the basics are actually hard. So, you know, if you could do those properly, you will get there, you know. In, in terms of guys now in the current product doing it, you know, which guys do you like watching? You know, maybe two or three guys that you, you like watching in the modern oh. product. Uh, I love watching uh, Adam Page, Hangman Adam Page, Rafe, Ray Phoenix. Hands down, he's he's the best. He's the best. Uh, hangman yeah. by a mile. Yeah. I could see it. In, yeah. I could see it in Ring of Honor. Sorry, I've jumped in. I've jumped. That's in. okay. That's I love okay. him. I uh, love that man. I tell you, that is that's just star quality, and that's something you yeah. can't teach. It, it's everything no. about him. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's I okay. Just, I just love it. I just I'm, I'm passionate, man. Yeah, no, that's all good, man. And uh, I think Paige, Ray Phoenix, and I love Jungle Boy. I think those are my three picks. I, if, no disrespect, you know, to Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. It's been a great faction. Right, right, right. Needs to, needs to go on his own now, I think, which yeah. it, it could be detrimental to them too, which would be a shame because they're, they're, they're talented, they're good, but he, he's... Right. He he needs. I know he's had. I know he's had singles matches. You know he's had MJ. Yeah. He's had Jericho. I I'm in full agreement with uh, Jungle yeah. Boy man. Do you think? Yeah, do, do you think they'll do that? Do you think they'll put him on his own eventually? Eventually, sure. Yeah, he's got a long way to go. As far as he's got all the time in the world. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't get hurt. You know. But uh, yeah, I think he's got all the talent in the world. I'm a big fan. You, Definitely. You, you can see it as well. I'm, I'm sure from your perspective, because you were young in the business. You were, yep. you, you were his age, and yet you, you were, you were in it, man. So I don't know him personally, but I've heard uh, people that know him and knew his dad um, that he is very, very dedicated to this business. And his dad, Luke Perry, who I was a fan of, uh, was really wonderful and supportive of him getting like the best wrestling training and like really helping him get like you know kind of staying focused so i'm a huge fan of his and his family and i wish him nothing but the best he's a, he's a good dude you know who who in terms of wwe pj who is uh who's no is a nobody really uh, at the moment no there are i just i i, I to be uh, to be fair i don't really watch the product you know i i do i watch AEW because i do a um the AEW review show with vince russo so yeah yeah, but uh, I don't watch WWE really, so it would be unfair for me to kind of say. We're we're very we're very happy what they've been doing with Drew. I just feel yeah, I love I, yeah yeah he's awesome. I just he's feel, awesome. I just feel for him because he's not at the crowd, but you know, hopefully working this program with Lashley now, uh, it's good. Yeah, he'll be he'll be all right. He'll be he'll 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 be all right. They they need him now. Bobby Lashley, you know? Bobby Lashley, man. Look look how many years he was away. And uh, yeah. he's doing, he's doing fantastic, man. I know. Yeah, I'm going on about WWE. Who, who else in AEW? Maybe that in the tag, in the tag wrestling. Maybe because that, that's that's a solid department. I find. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They have a lot going on right now, so I really, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. You have to. I'll have to. I'll have to hold my thought on that. <laughs> so I really don't because because they have a bunch of different teams, but I haven't seen enough of them like top flight and these other guys. So I'm just not sure yet. No, that's, that's, I'm not that's, sure fine. Yet. that's fine, man. That's fine. I, I think um, that I've heard, I've heard discussions. I don't know how much truth is in this. They're on about, there's been talk of a third hour, but I don't think this should, 
No. I, I think that the pitfalls are going to be the same like you have with Raw, where you have a slow hour. Right. Um, yeah. It, because it, it, it's, it's too much. It's, it becomes too much. You know, it, it, you know, three hours of anything is a lot, right? And to do it every week, it's just, you're going to lose people. So two hours is a great thing. Keep it the way it is, you know? What, what did you think of Revolution? I'm assuming you've, you've watched it. You I watched it. Uh, I thought it was okay. Um, the main event was good. It was a shame what happened at the end because those guys worked so darn hard. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's criminal actually <laughs> what happened, but I, you would have thought that somebody would have done a test run, right. To, to see how that would work. Uh, I can't believe that they didn't, but uh, you know, the, the show was okay. Um, I, I'm concerned for them in, in that way, because it seems like their pay-per-views are not getting better. They're getting worse. It's like their first, um, their first couple pay-per-views were much better. And they, cause they're trying too hard to do too much shit. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be different from the WWE and they're actually becoming the WWE or try, I don't know what they're trying to do, but uh, I, I just wish they would stick to what they want. Their original plan was just, be something different. I'd tell, so. tell you what I do like now uh, with obviously when, when Eddie Kingston came in and he was crazy yeah. and him, that gives, at least that's going to extend the story now. And you know, they're going to go up against Omega and the good brothers. So that, yeah. that was cool. A bit of story progression, obviously, you know, they, yeah. had, they had their war a couple of months ago. Uh, I thought yeah, that, that'll be good. But bar the explosives going off, you know, it actually yeah. think about it, at least him and Eddie Kingston are going to be together for a bit, which would be, you know, Which will be good. Yeah, absolutely. The credible documentary. I wanted to see that, man. It's not going to be done, unfortunately. I was looking forward to it, honestly, man. Yeah. You know, the trailers. I hope you can. I know. I hope you can get it done. I hope somewhere down the line. Well, the, the, unfortunately, the people I was working with, uh, they 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 pulled funding. There was a lot of shady stuff, and that's a podcast in itself that uh, I didn't know about uh, that, that happens when you make films. But uh, hopefully someday, uh, you know, that story, unfortunately, is, is, has already been told because that was so, so long ago. Things actually ended up are, are actually pretty good in my life. So, but hopefully there will be another opportunity and we'll get something done somewhere, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. My guest all the way from Connecticut, the former ECW world champion, two-time ECW tag champion with Lance Storm as the Impact players. I'm going to say it again, PJ, eight-time hardcore champion in WWF. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Stu's Acid Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank I've, you for everything, man. I've You've been wonderful. It. It's been a pleasure. This episode is brought to you in association with Powered 4 TV. So go and check them out for anything wrestling related, old events, new events when we come out of COVID, podcasts, you name it, it's all there at Powered 4 TV. So find them across social media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.